Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and I want to thank you for listening to our program. If you like our podcast, please take a moment to like us or rate us on your podcast app and leave us some feedback. My guest today is an entrepreneur with a bachelor's degree in business and a master's in elementary education. She has authored children's books, adorable and comedic stories enjoyed by children and parents alike, and she's the creator of the Minimal Intervention Birth Method, mixing evidence-based steps and inspiring stories to help women achieve more positive birth experiences using minimal medical intervention. Her latest book is called Because You Are Superwoman, How to Harness Your Superpower and Create Your Own Positive Birth Experience with Minimal Medical Intervention. J.K. Coy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm so curious about all your background and uh, what led you to this point and and your focus on birth with minimal medical intervention. It's MMI. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, MI, yeah, MI birth. Um, so actually, I I was a person who didn't really know anything about birth growing up, didn't really want to know anything about birth growing up. Where'd I, you grow up? I grew up in Michigan, um, in Holland, Michigan on the west side of the state, and we moved out to California about seven years ago. And so I just wasn't a person who enjoyed anything medical. My parents worked, or my mom worked in a hospital, and I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know the details. And so birth to me was very foreign when I got pregnant and a bit scary. What were you into more? Because med- medicine's a certain just part of the brain, a more scientific part of the brain. Were you into other stuff? What? Explain, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you knew that you were not into anything medical. Like, I don't know, if you're playing Trivial Pursuit, everybody has a category that's their category. Yeah. I, I like the science in medicine. That's why I went into it. But did you have other things that you were really focused on? Um. Probably more personal philosophy to step out of my body's way and let it heal itself, take care of itself. I, I leaned more toward natural um, techniques and remedies, I guess. Oh, but so it's not that you weren't into like the body. It's you weren't into modern medicine even as a kid. Am I reading into that or am I making that up? I think I wasn't into the gore and the details. It just kind of freaked me out. Okay. And so birth is highly medical in the society. And so just the idea of giving birth was scary to me, in addition to the pain, the medical side of it as well. I see. So when did you even start to consider that? A more natural birth experience? Any birth experience. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) We'll go way back. Uh, Let's see. My husband and I were married seven years when we decided we were ready to have kids. And so... um, we got pregnant fairly easy, probably about three or four months into trying. And um, from there, I really didn't have a position on birth. I just knew it was something that I wasn't excited to do, but I wanted to have a baby. And so it was something I had to do to have that experience. And so once I started learning a little bit more about birth, I realized I was going to have to take an active role in this if I wanted the experience um, of less medical intervention. And this it, is after you're already pregnant? Yes, You correct. start to explore what birth might be like? Yeah, exactly. What kind of things do you do to research that? So I don't even know how I came across it. I'm sure I probably Googled natural birth or minimal intervention or something along those lines. 
Um, and of course, somehow I came across the resources, Ina May's book, and also The Business of Being Born. The documentary. So Ricky mm-hmm. Lake and Abby Epstein's documentary, The Business yes. of Being Born. Yeah. And Ina May Gaskin, uh, Spiritual Midwifery, or Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. The Childbirth, yep. Uh, I'm curious how you got to the minimally interventive part, because you didn't know. That term. Yeah, that right? term. And like, w- did you just know you didn't want intervention? Because a lot of people who don't like the gore and the medical stuff just want to be numb to the whole thing. So. Yeah. I I guess something in me knew my body was capable of doing it. I was probably more scared of whether I was strong enough to do it. Mm. And so I was interested in it, but also maybe not committed in the beginning to saying, I want a natural birth because I was scared of what that meant. But I knew that it was inside me. So I did continue to do research. And to your point, the term minimal intervention, it really wasn't something that was used, but it was a term that's been adopted in the book because of the fact that there's plenty of women, I think, out there that the term natural birth seems kind of hippie to them, maybe a little far-fetched, or maybe they're not sure if they're capable. But they do know that they want as few interventions as are necessary for them and their baby. So, for instance, I wanted to have my baby in the hospital because I wanted to have all those resources available. We have all these wonderful resources out there in case complications were to arise. But I also wanted to make that plan B. I wanted to make my body and my own abilities, plan A. So you wanted the medical safety blanket of yeah. being in that building with um, doctors and surgeons and, and all sorts of medical intervention, pharmaceutical intervention, if you needed it. Yes, exactly. But your goal was to sort of pretend like you're not in the hospital yes. and just give birth and happen to be in that building if you need the resources there. Yep, exactly. I didn't even want to change into a hospital gown. I wanted nothing to do with the idea of being a patient. I just, it was a place that I could go that um, had everything I needed and cleaned up. Did you take um, classes? We did not actually take any childbirth classes. Probably after I found those resources and started to have the mind shift, the next thing that I did was I was going to a regular OB. And um, the next step was that I found out they had a midwife on staff. Hmm. And so I drafted up this little email in their patient portal And I was like, I don't want to be unkind to my doctor. I really like her, but I kind of want to see the midwife. And so I felt like I was being all sneaky about it. And I like (laughs) felt like I was going around her back. And I thought that a nurse, you know, was a confidential portal. I thought a nurse would respond and we would have this little side conversation. And then all of a sudden my doctor, uh, you know, emailed me back and she's like, oh, I think you're a great candidate. Sure, you can meet with her next time. And my face, you know, blushed and... (laughs) Uh, yeah, so like that's, a 12-year-old that's girl. That's interesting on two points. Number one is it's a lot of people, I think, want to just have an inherent drive to be people-pleasing. Um, but this probably isn't the time to be people-pleasing. No. You know, it's really all about you and what you want and what you need. Um, yeah. but it's I about love, learning learning what you need and what options you have. So Yeah, and I love that your doctor also, like, I think that in medicine in general, in obstetrics in particular, um, as patients, we feel like we don't really have choices, and like you know, we want, not just that we want to please our doctors, but that we don't. You they know, know best. They maybe. tell us what to do, and we have to do that. Um, and you don't get the sense that your doctors work for you, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, it's become very clear to me over the years is that I, I even say it to people um, now before we do anything in the office. I always say, this is what we want to do, and I just want to make sure you're comfortable with it. And sometimes they're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm like, I work for you. Yeah. <laughs> I give you the options. You tell me what you want to do and what you don't want to do. That's awesome. And, and that's pretty much the way it should work. Like, that's how I also want my doctors to treat me. And I think that's how in, in healthcare in general, that's how it always works. So you should never really feel uncomfortable saying, I want to choose midwific care over obstetric care, especially if it's in the same practice. Yeah. Yeah. And Where now I that know practice? that. Um, it's in Orange County. Okay. So here in so California. Saddleback Hospital. Yep. So you switched over. I did. Yeah. I had a, so I met with the midwife. This was in the third trimester, mind you, wow. by the time I got this all together. So it was a little late in the game, um, but I met with her and we hit it off right from the beginning. I loved how much time she spent with me. I loved the fact that our appointments were a little bit, um, it was definitely at least 50-50, you know, what is your headspace? And the other 50% was, you know, checking out my body and um, seeing how the baby was progressing. So, but I think that mental aspect was huge. We got to know each other on a different level. Um, Does the midwife in that practice also deliver at the hospital? Yes. So I gave birth in the hospital. But I'm saying attended by a midwife. So the midwife has privileges at the hospital yes. to deliver babies. Yeah. Yep. That's not an option everywhere. So Correct. it's nice that you had that option. Yes. I was very fortunate. Yeah. I, I think we've said it on the program before. Also, people sort of talk about doctor appointments, like you wait a lot of time for a short visit and midwife appointments that you wait a little bit of time and you have this long visit. And I've even had doctors on the podcast who say, I don't even know what I would talk to my patient about for more than five minutes, you know? Yeah. And somehow the midwife appointments can go on for an hour and, and they could probably go for another hour, but you know. Yeah. Well, but they have other patients. They have other people to see. <laughs> exactly. So that was your experience too? Yeah. Yep. It was very positive. Um, did you have a formal birth plan? We did. The more I learned about birth, we did um, put it down on paper, uh, what we wanted. But again, to be honest, the first time I knew what I wanted, but being that I had never given birth before and you can't simulate it, you can't you know, do a practice run, I felt like I couldn't fully commit. And I know they say you have to be fully committed before you have a natural birth. And you know, I'd like to say I was, but there were not specific steps that could get me there that I could practice before. And for me personally, that left like a big question mark on my birth plan. So here's what I wanted. Here's what I was going for. And I made sure that everybody that was surrounding me when I gave birth was aligned with that. And so we were all working toward the same goal. That's cool. And so that made it um, so much more possible. How did your labor start? Gosh, it was only two years ago. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and I have a nine-month-old. Um, oh, so your life's not busy at all. Yeah, no, I'm not busy <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, let's see. How did my labor begin? Actually, it was leap day, and my husband told me this was the one day I was not supposed to go into labor. <laughs> it was five days after my due date, and I had finally – I worked up until my due date, and then I hadn't gone into labor, so I was off for five days. So I got everything done off my to-do list – went and finally like laid by the pool for a minute and then I felt what was my first contraction oh. and I was like hmm I think that might be one my husband told me not to give birth today I don't know <laughs> if that's really a contraction I'm not going to tell anybody what time of day was that that was probably around noon okay and he got so you home still had 12 hours of leap day yeah exactly <laughs> plenty of time 
So that was around noon, and then he got back from work around 6 p.m., and I told him, okay, I think I'm in labor. So between noon and 6, it kept happening? Yeah. Okay, so surges, contractions. Yeah, I mean, they were spaced far enough apart that I wasn't timing them yet. It was just like I hadn't had any Braxton Hicks or anything prior to, um, and they were coming and going, but like I knew they were contractions, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I still felt like we had time, and so we didn't start tracking them until probably four or five hours later. That's when they started, like, getting consistent and more painful to the point where I couldn't sleep anymore. So he went to sleep, <laughs> and I went downstairs and paced the room and put a heating pad on my back and sat on the ball and took two or three baths, and yeah. Did all those things feel good to you? Yeah, they did. I mean— you just have to keep trying new positions the whole time. And there's nobody with you at this point. It's no. you and your baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Did, and, and did it feel like you thought it would feel? That's a strange question because, again, you can't practice run it. And so I don't know what I expected it to feel like. What did it feel like? It felt uncomfortable. It felt like you knew something exciting and bigger than you was going on. Um, But again, it was like a whole lot of question marks. I didn't know if this was like I was going to be meeting my baby in a couple hours, in a day. So it was a lot of just kind of trying to relax and just enjoy the moment. And again, it was quiet time with me and my baby. So we just did our thing and got through it together until about, I think we texted the midwife around 5 a.m. and headed into the hospital around 6 a.m. What made you text the midwife at that point? Because we had been tracking, I had been tracking through the night with the app, um, with an app. And so I knew that they were continuing to get closer together. Um, they were consistent, all, all those things they tell you to look for mm-hmm. before you go in. Still tolerable? Yeah, still tolerable. The the kind of the head game at that point is you don't know how far along you are. You don't know how dilated you are. So, of course, any woman, really, but of course, someone who wants to have it naturally is kind of trying to avoid being in a hospital or being in their birth center for as long as possible because mm-hmm. you're going to be more comfortable at home. Right. But then you're also like, uh, one, I don't want to wait too long. I don't want to have the baby at home. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> have the baby at home. Especially and if I, you're not prepared to have a baby at home. Right. And also, you don't know how dilated you are. You're like, well, do I handle pain really well? Am I close to the end? And it's like, you know, you hope you're one of those people. But, um, yeah, so, again, so just a lot of question marks. You just have I'm, to I'm sure calm. they checked you soon after you got to the hospital. Yeah, they did. I think I was at six centimeters when we how, got there. When you found out you were six, how did that feel to you? That, I remember telling them, when I checked in, my midwife wasn't there yet. And so when they checked me and told me, I said... Well, they said, do you want to go naturally? Still, I see that's in your birth plan. And I said, you tell me how far along I am, and I'll tell you if (laughs) I I am going to go naturally or not. Yes. So when she said six, I'm like, okay, I'm going to continue on. So So you felt like good about it. Yeah, I did. You had more behind you than in front of you. Exactly. Yep. And the faster part, the more, you know, predictable part was in front of you. Yeah. And the part that, you know, it's sort of like pushing a boulder up a... a mountain, and then you get to the top, and it rolls down the other side. And it's always going to roll down the same speed, but it's, it could take a long time or a little time to push it up to the top. Right. Well, the interesting thing about it is that it that second half is when it really gets 
to be a show. So the second half is definitely more challenging than the first half. In what way? Well, the contractions um, and transition, you know, are things you still have to climb toward the end. And and the pushing, for me personally, the pushing um, was scary. It's a scary pressure. Um, Do you remember how much time it took you from six to ten? So it was about three and a half hours. Okay. So it went fair. It did That's go fairly quickly. That's the predictableness that I'm talking about. Yes. It's intense. It's the most intense. It's like the climax of labor, mm-hmm. but it's um it's usually moves. You know. Yeah. Um, during that point, did you start to feel like maybe I can't do this at some point, or just the whole time you were like, I'm doing it? No, I think I don't ever think that I had that thought that I wanted it any other way. Um, there was, you know, there was pain and there were new things, maybe scary things, but I was with people that made me feel safe and encouraged me toward my birth plan. So I felt completely supported. And so I never once thought, okay, I need the epidural. What kind of comfort measures did you have at the hospital? They are great hospital in that, well, one, I didn't have to be attached to anything. Since oh, you could walk around freely. Yep, I could walk around freely. I kept my own clothes on. Um, they did intermittent monitoring. Um, they had a bathtub, so I was able to get into that. What kind of clothing did you choose to wear? I wore sweatpants and a tank top. Just comfortable. Yeah. Yep. I see people go really sporty, like <laughs> yoga wear. I yeah. see people go like really nice nightgowns, just comfort wear. I know. I think for the second baby, I did buy like a cute sports bra or something, something yeah. vain like that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're in your comfortable clothing, walking around freely. Do they have tubs there? Yeah. And they had a tub, which I'm a bath person normally. So that idea it's sounded great. For you. Sort yeah. of like Pavlov, get in there and just open up. Yes. Yeah. So I pretty much. Got in that tub and zoned out, blacked out. I don't know. Like, my husband was really great in that we had some other friends that had delivered a couple months before. And her husband advised um, my husband to take notes as soon as we entered the hospital of, like, what was happening. Mm -hmm. And when I looked back on his notes, I had no recollection of time. So it was great to see his notes and when things happened um, because I had no idea. That's cool. But I just kind of moaned in the bathtub and my midwife was fantastic in that at one point she was like okay your moans have changed mm-hmm. so I know that means you know you're getting in your close. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and so she made me get out and I was so upset to have to get out Aww. this hospital doesn't let you Push birth in the, in the tub, tub. Yeah. yeah and so I had to get out um, and they checked me when I got out on the bed and I had envisioned that I would want to stand up um, or be in some other position while giving birth, not on the bed. Because everything I had read, your pelvis closes. It just feels more like a patient being in that position um, if you're on the bed. So I thought I'd be standing. But once they had me get on the bed to be checked, the idea of getting out of that bed, nope, wasn't going to happen. (laughs) No, no. So I ended up pushing on my side. They had a- Oh, laying on your side. Yeah, laying on my side. They had a bar. And so I put one foot up on the bar and used that for kind of leverage. And- I was like biting at a towel, not really a pretty image. (laughs) felt like um, pushing was scary for you. Yeah, it was because it's just, it's a lot of pressure. When I think back, it was like I kind of wanted to recoil into my body and run away from it. But your baby isn't going to come out if you do that. And so that was one of the times where my midwife was really coaching me to change the sounds I was making to help 
feel lower. Your high pitch. Yes, mm. yes. I was screaming high pitched. Mm-hmm. Again, not a pretty image. Mm. But she helped me change that and said that I was actually using all that power to help push my baby down and out. And eventually you have to go toward the pain to get it over with. So walk into the towards the light. Yeah. Yep. Did you um how long did that take pushing for you? I think I should have looked over all these details. It was about at thirty minutes or so. Oh, which is not so Yeah. Long. Um, and then a lot of people who are exploring their options, right? I'm on the journey with a lot of people all the time, just yeah. fly in the wall, you know, sometimes offering them if they're like, what do you know about this? Then I'll give them some information. But when they consider natural birth, I hear all the time that they're really worried about the moment the baby comes through. As, the head? Yeah. As, okay. as like being the worst part. Like That's because that's the point everyone references, the ring of fire. Yeah. So did you have a ring of fire at that point? I did, and I knew that that's what it was, but the anticipation of it was worse than it actually the was. Actual ring. Yeah, because it, <laughs> yeah, because it was. There's a lot of things going on at that time, a lot of feelings, and it was short lived. It must have been quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I just I looked at a a birth that we shot for a documentary that we haven't made yet, and um, you can clearly see when she feels that ring of fire. It's about twenty seconds. Yeah. On in her case, long, and then. As soon as the baby's out, she's so past it. She mm-hmm. nothing bothers her at all. No, and that that's the miraculous thing about birth. Like once it's done, it's a like I've been using the word pain, but it's different because it's not scary pain in that you think it's going to hurt you. It's pain with a purpose. And as soon as the baby's out, like you feel like you again. It's it's crazy. We're it's not a, a pain culture, so whenever there's pain. Um, myself included, it. I try to numb it. Right? right. I try to get away from the pain. But sometimes pain actually does good things for us. Mm-hmm. And because we're not used to pain without having to run away from it or be afraid of it, then it's hard to relax into pain and not let it bother you. Totally. But I think that also watching as a doula, watching people go through that journey, you see the moment where she realizes, wait a second, <laughs> if I don't fight myself, this could be a lot less violent. Yes. And yeah. then you get into a rhythm and just do it. Yeah, definitely. You can be your own worst enemy. They say, you know, women, when they don't feel safe or when they feel scared, they hold their babies in. Yeah. They don't let their bodies open up. And if the baby's going to exit, let's let's be nice and help my bodies open up and yeah. get you're, the same page. Um, you're really cool. I mean, this is my first time meeting you. Yeah, but been great. I really like that you're just very real about the fact that you're, you're not necessarily like a hippy-dippy person, quote unquote, <laughs> whoever that <laughs> is. Um, and that you were worried about it, like you were nervous about pain mm-hmm. um, and coping. Because that's the only image I had ever, or the story I'd ever heard about birth. So I had only seen the TV examples of birth where the woman is screaming and asking for an epidural and, you know, asking who did this to me and, like, you know, <laughs> um, their water breaking somewhere super embarrassing. And so I just... But then the whole progression from the beginning of it starting and you're kind of by yourself by the pool, then your husband comes home and you're laboring through the night on your own and you go in the hospital and you get in the tub and you just go inside. I think also when you watch other animals labor in nature, it's kind of what they do. Yeah. And it sort of seems like you sort of just trusted what was happening inside Mm -hmm. and closed your mind, the rational part of your mind down a little bit to let it happen. Yeah, you kind of, you have to just, again, surround yourself with people that you feel safe with because they can come on the journey with you, but ultimately you're going to have to do it yourself. And so that's why it's so important that you feel safe and supported because 
kind of everything is happening through you. So. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be right back with JK Coy on the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our chat with Because You Are Superwoman author, J.K. Coy. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, you had another baby just nine months ago. Yes. How was uh, that birth? Uh, was it similar or different than your first? It was also positive, also a natural birth of the same midwife in the hospital, but it was eight minutes after I arrived at the nurse's station. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a second. Back up a drop. First of all, going into it, did you feel more confident or like nervous again? Well, to be honest, I was nervous in the sense that I knew I had to do it again, but confident in the sense that I knew I wanted to do it again. Okay, that's I had cool. the right team around me and I knew I was capable. So again, I knew what I was getting into, that it would be a challenging experience, but also a growing and positive experience. How did that labor start? That labor started, it was 10 days after my due date this time. Oh, you went longer. Yeah. I was one of those lucky ones. Do you um, go nuts at the end? What? Do you go nuts at the end? Where are you? I really don't because, again, I like believe in my body and that it's like I think everything is going to go smoother if I just get out of my baby's way and let my body do its thing and my baby tell me when it's ready to come out. Because if I try to force it out, I feel like my body's going to fight it and it's going to take longer. I think you also have a chilled out like Michigan vibe. <laughs> is that possible? Like, Maybe. Things are a little more relaxed over there. Maybe. Yeah. It's it's definitely not LA. It's not. Yeah. No. Big city. Yeah. Okay. So then so, um, how did it start? So 10 days after my due date, um, I was again knocking off a to-do list. And the last thing on my to-do list was I wanted to get my nails done. Again, like every vain pregnant woman before they go into labor. So I went to go get a manicure. Well, so the first thing that, well, the pedicure, it's the first thing the baby sees. Yeah, right? So. There you go. It's not so vain. It's not for you. All. Yeah. <laughs> so I go and get that done. And I think it was the woman's like first day because <laughs> she kept having to wipe off the polish and start again. It was oh, a, wow. you know, a schlack manicure. And so it was taking forever. So what was maybe minimal contractions. I didn't even know for sure that it was a contraction when I went in to get my nails done. But I was like, okay, something's starting to feel different. And so then um, I'm in there, and by the time I was there for at least an hour, and that whole time I'm, like, closing my eyes because everything is happening fast. The contractions are getting stronger. I'm getting pretty certain that this is labor. 
And so um, by the time she was done, I could like barely pay and keep my composure. So <laughs> I get in the car and I text my husband. I'm like, I think I'm in labor. So I was only like 10 minutes from home. So I drove home and he was on the phone when I got home. So I just walked in and went straight to the bathtub. Like I couldn't even say anything. Your happy spot. What? Yes, exactly. My happy spot. And um, so then I was in the tub and my we've got a two-year-old at this point, not even two. And so my husband's like, well, we should probably find someone to watch her. You know, you're probably going to have this baby tonight and everything. So he starts working on that. And I'm like debating whether we rope in the midwife or if I still have time. So he's smarter than me. And he started jumping on all the details, contacting the midwife and all of that. I'm trying to be casual about it. Like, I think I might be in labor. And so anyways, but she's like, okay, well, let me know how things are going in another hour. And so I get out of the tub and I get to the point where I'm like, like, I can't hold myself back from like screaming and kind of yelling, Primal. not the high pitched yelling, but just like, I'm getting very vocal with these noise. contractions now. Yeah. Does that, because that doesn't necessarily mean you're in a lot of pain. It's just your body's reaction to the intensity. Yeah. Moving through you. Okay. It's kind of like it's out of your control. Yeah. You're just noises coming out of you. Yeah, Definitely. So I'm just making a distinction between screaming yes. and primal noise just coming out of you. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think that's a better description. Back to you. And uh, so we end up getting in the car. Thankfully, we only live like three minutes or three miles from the hospital. That so. is thankful given what you said earlier. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I still had no idea. I mean, I knew things were getting real, but I, I had no idea how real. So we around the corner at the hospital and I get to the point where I go through a contraction and I'm like pounding my fist on the car door. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh crap, like this is, this is, we're in deep now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get in, we park, we go up to the hospital um, to where you check in. Do you remember how far apart they were? Well, at the nail shop, I was counting them in my head and what I thought was like <laughs> longer period of time when I started tracking them, they were actually way closer than I thought. Okay. So that's what drove us to finally go to the hospital because we were tracking them. We're like, oh, these are really close together. I don't remember exactly, maybe three minutes or so apart at that point. So anyways, we get up to the nurse's desk and they have me start filling in the intake paperwork. And I just put my head down on the in the triage desk and like tell my husband to answer any questions. And my midwife was awesome because she happened to be there earlier. And when I started texting her, she decided to stay. She didn't tell me that, but she oh. stayed because she she just had a feeling I'd be coming in soon. And so all of a sudden I started making, the moans started changing and my body just started pushing while I was standing there at the desk. Mm. And they're still having me fill out paperwork. And didn't she, realize that you're pushing? No, Not no. Yet. And she jumps up from behind the counter and she's like, nope, get her a room right now. So She heard your grunts. Yes. <laughs> and she's wise and she knew that sound. And so they, um, I just walked to the room. I didn't want a wheelchair or anything. And uh, so I walked and we got to the room and she's like, take your pants off. So I did. And I leaned over the bed and we pushed out a baby. Wow. I mean, it was like did instantly. Did you realize we it's started, about to happen? I, I mean, I had no idea it was going to happen that fast. I mean, nobody checked you or anything. You just no. I, I mean, I literally took, I filled out the intake paperwork after the baby was born. Wow. Oh. Because it was that fast. But we made it to a room, and you know, and so yeah, my husband. I had actually asked him because I don't know if we'll have more kids or not. But I asked him if he would get a video this time because we didn't the first time. Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever be brave enough to watch it, but I, I want it in case I want to watch it later. 
And so <laughs> did he get it? He got it. Oh wow! He did. Yes, he did his job. <laughs> yes, I don't know how, um, but did you know, it's not it? a flattering position. I did, and I let a friend watch it too. I was like, I don't know why you want to watch this, but I'll show you because she was due like in a month, and I was oh. like, I don't, I don't know if you're ready for this, but anyway, she did great, and she thought it was cool. Yeah, well, that's cool that he got it for you. Yeah, and then my baby came out, and they passed her through my legs like a football. For you to hold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool. That's a neat story. I mean, it's not too. Our our first was about forty two hours. Our second was just over two hours, and it was also was wow. about eighteen minutes after we got to the hospital. Wow, were all of yours Very at the quick. hospital? Our third was also at the hospital, and our fourth was at home. Was like ninety minutes, start to finish. Wow, yeah. your wife is superwoman. My wife is superwoman. Yeah, she is. Know. She was superwoman when she was just taking care of me and making <laughs> me feel like the most amazing guy on the planet. But then now we have four kids too, and. And she works, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know how you ever do it without a wife. <laughs> That's my anyway. Um, I, I need one of those. I know. Yeah, I've got a, I think everyone should have one. <laughs> it's different. Uh, you wrote this book because you are superwoman. How to harness your superpower and create your own positive birth experience with minimal medical intervention. First, tell me what the uh, what the sparked you to write a book. Yeah, and then a little bit more about its structure. I think it's twofold. I think that one, I'm the least likely candidate to write a birth book if you know my background, which now you do, that Mm -hmm. I stray very far from, you know, medical things and being interested in that and knowing nothing about birth prior to getting pregnant. So I really had to give myself a crash course. And the things I learned, like I said, I switched to a midwife in the third trimester. And so I think part of it is like, if I can do it, I really believe that you know, any woman can do it. And so one, it's about empowering women and sharing positive birth stories, because I don't think there are enough of them out there. Um, We hear a lot of negative things about birth. And so a big part of this book is changing that. There are 20 positive birth stories in there, everything from hospital births to home births to a twin home birth with no medication. So a little bit of everything in there. So, And I think the other part of it is that when I did the research myself, I realized there wasn't any current material out there. So mm-hmm. I love Ina May and I love the business of being born, but those resources are over 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that there needed to be something for women today that they can relate to. And also someone who isn't sure that they could do it, but wants to explore what that would mean and what that would look like and how to align themselves. Even if they do think they might want some interventions, they're going to align themselves for a more positive experience with fewer interventions using the steps in this book, and they're all evidence-based. So that's the other part of the book. There are six evidence-based steps um, that you can use that will decrease your chances of a cesarean and also help you have a more positive birth experience with fewer interventions. Are you saying steps while you're actually in labor or things that you do leading up to? So a couple of them are before. Um, including finding a supportive team Mm -hmm. and doing research and learning um, about birth yourself and filling your head with positive stories. Like maybe reading a book called Because You Are a Superwoman? Hey, you said it, not me. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other half is definitely once you are in labor, a big part of it is staying home as long as possible and really just giving your body the time it needs. So even if you do decide that you want interventions, trying to get them later in the game to allow your body to do its best work naturally and to allow your baby to uh, pair with you and be part of the team. Yeah, would you agree? I always sort of coach my patients on birth plans as that vision that you're talking about 
how I want my birth to be mm-hmm. as sort of being page one of the birth plan. Um, this is the target I'm going for, and it's different mm-hmm. for everybody. Some people's totally. target is to just not have anybody around, free birth on their own. Yep. Uh, other people like to be at home or out of the hospital with a midwife or even a, a doctor. Other people like to be at a hospital, maybe with medical intervention or with no intervention. Some people like to have a cesarean birth. But you're just talking about page one. Like if you want to yeah. aim for a birth where you're doing it mostly on your own yeah, or entirely on your own without – needing the interventions or using the interventions. And that's the thing about interventions. Sometimes you need them. Sometimes you just want them. And that's okay, too. Yeah, and it is okay. And I think that there's definitely a place for that. And I am so fortunate that I grew up with resources and in a time where there are those interventions available. But I also think that sometimes people choose interventions because they don't have any other positive experiences that they know or because of fears that they have. I was listening to your interview recently with uh, Hillary Duff, and she was saying that she wanted a cesarean for her first birth, and it wasn't because of any medical reason. It was just because she was scared. Yeah. And I mean, I can relate to that. I think she said, I think a direct quote is, I was afraid to have a baby come out of my vagina. Yeah, there you go. And I think we've all been there, even many of us that want that natural experience. When she said that to me, I even felt the fear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's true. You have not. It's a stretch. Yep. Um, I mean, I like your approach. I think that there's a lot of people that are that don't know, like you didn't at the beginning. In fact, you said what made you comfortable about the hospital was that all those interventions were there yeah. should you want them or need them. Yep. So it's not like you're against intervention. It's that if somebody's exploring their options, I hear a lot of times like people just talk as if there's no benefit. Like, why would I even want to do this mm-hmm. um, or like there's no downside to interventions. I think everything has pluses and minuses, risks and exactly. benefits. And that's why it's so important to explore all your options. And you don't know what they are unless you, you know, do a little research yourself. Yeah. So it's really cool to have a new, um, not just a new resource for people looking for information, but one that's pretty positive. Uh and encouraging, and you're positive and encouraging, and you're also you just you don't you don't come from a background of knowing from the time that you were born that you want to have this no. unmedicated birth. It's just something that came to you once you were already pregnant. Yeah, and I think that comes through in the book too. I don't shy away from it. That I am again the least likely person to write a medical book. It's almost humorous to me. Um, my other two books are actually humor-based books. Yeah, let's talk um. <laughs> about those two for a moment. You have two books that look like children's books. Yeah. Yeah, I've got Love You to Pieces, Beautiful Monster, and My Mom is the Worst. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that my wife is a uh, is a psychologist. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I think she, could, she probably hears My Mom is the Worst pretty much five or six times a day. <laughs> um, but tell me more uh. about these books. Yeah, the first one I actually wrote after my first was born. So I've always written as more of a personal enjoyment. But after my first, I went through, I had a really great birth. And then I had a lot of problems with her latching, with her gaining weight, um, things like that. And I would say, you know, I definitely bordered on going through postpartum. And so at that point, I think she was about four months old when I wrote that book. And Love You to Pieces, Beautiful Monster is really about just how crazy our our babies or our children can make us, but how we can't stop loving them to pieces. Mm. 
Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No. Even when they come out, the fact that you just immediately want to eat their cheeks. Is, yeah, right. I mean, you're just o- overwhelmed with love for them. Like, what did they do to earn that? Nothing. They just tortured you for nine months and squeezed their way out of your body. And... My nine month is so roly-poly, and I can't stop, still can't stop squeezing her. Oh, yeah. Our, my first one was, again, had trouble gaining weight and, and eating and all that stuff. Well, the second were, one does were not. Were they at birth? They were both fairly normal, about seven and a half pounds. Average. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you have another book, My Mom is the Worst. Yeah. That one is kind of the first one is a parent's perspective on parenting young children and what a day in the life looks like. And My Mom is the Worst is what it's like to be parented all day. So it's from the child's perspective. Oh, wow. And how sometimes what we do as parents in love, our children probably see as us just trying to control them or ruin their lives. Well, you you know, they're they're so highly much. dramatic at that age. Actually, so. it's probably not too different than what my wife sees is uh, years later, how yes. people hold these deep-seated feelings, negative mm-hmm. feelings towards parents, usually I, mom for some reason. I know. We, we get a bad rap. I know. Um, you do so much and then <laughs> underappreciated. I know. Well, that's what I've learned. So I wrote those books both when my children were very young, but what I've heard and learned as they grow is the themes carry through and i think they'll probably carry through for the rest of our lives you know i always uh we do so much to celebrate mother's day and when it's father's day my wife is like what do you want to do it's father's day i'm like why do we even get a day oh (laughs) right you don't give yourself credit no i'm I'm sure you are a fantastic i'm just saying in comparison i I, well the truth is i think for me and for uh, some of the other dads that i know we start to kick in a lot more as parents. I start to kick in a lot more as a parent when my kids got a little bit older. Yeah. So when your wife isn't their food source, or yeah, they don't she's have to not be totally fed their and food source, the and they time. like interact in a different way. Yeah. I remember the first time she handed me my son. I think it was three months old. She fed him. She had to go out, and um, it was just me and him for the first time alone. And he wasn't dirty, he wasn't hungry, he wasn't tired, and I'm just holding him. I'm looking at him, and he's, like, blinking and looking back at me. I'm like, what do I even do with you? Yeah. You know? I actually got a book at that point, like, the father's first year or something like that, just to learn more about what they're doing developmentally and how to interact with them. It just didn't come naturally to me at all. Yeah. Well, but you guys are, like, fixers get, and doers, and so you're like, what do I do with this And hunters and gatherers, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. They just want to cuddle, and, yeah. I like to cuddle. Yeah. It wasn't until they got a little older and more interactive, like nine months, ten months, twelve months, where, you know, we started to get, like, more physical and, mm-hmm. I don't know, and there were reactions and expressions. Yeah. I don't know. So. I, yeah, and I think it's different for everybody. I think um, I have a lot of friends that we all had babies around the same time, and I think that there's a lot of great dads. I mean, again, if you're breastfeeding and things, you are still so connected to your baby in just a different way that your spouse won't be. But Mm -hmm. I think what I see in my circle of friends is a lot of great dads that are jumping in and maybe earlier than they used to from what I hear, but just, you know, there's still some things that only mom can do, but I think they are awesome dads and they are very involved. So I feel like it was there more as a support to my wife yeah. Then as like a father to the kid. Okay. You know, if that makes any sense. It's not yeah. like it wasn't hands-on. I just... Um, well, your wife probably appreciated that because she needed that. I think then. so. 22 years later, she's sticking with it. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right. Are there more books coming? Yeah. I actually, I have a, another children's book that is written and on my computer, but I just had to set it aside until I got this other one. I I just shared with you that my baby is 
nine months tomorrow. And this book has taken about nine months to wrap up. And Mm -hmm. so I've had to. And then I I work um, full time since she's been about six months again. Oh, wow. Outside of this. Yes, exactly. No kidding. What a juggler. Yeah. So, well, it's um, it's fun, but it's crazy. And so, yeah, that book will likely come out next year. Okay. I'll look forward to it. That leads me to one of my last questions. Where can we find you online? Yeah, I've got uh, mymomistheworst.com. So that um, will have all the book updates. Otherwise, if you're an Instagram or Facebook person, at Stories by J.K. Coy. At Stories by J.K. Coy. Yeah. Amazing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story so open and honest. And thank you for putting together this book. I have skimmed through it, but I'm looking forward to reading it cover to cover. All right. Thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss, send your suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com. Doctor, give me the news. I got a whole.